Time now for AliCast, a deep dive into innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce, online payments, and digital entertainment. Brought to you by Alibaba Group, we'll offer insights about Chinese consumers and brands doing business in China. We'll delve into global online retail, cloud computing, big data, and other must-know topics and issues in and around one of China's largest companies. I'm Adam Najberg. We're coming off a record-breaking Double Eleven Global Shopping Festival. It's a sign that, despite some concerns about uneven private consumption patterns in China's overall economy, e-commerce continues to perform and grow strongly. That's due in no small part to new retail, the blending of online and offline shopping through technology to create a seamless shopping experience. But it's not just about those numbers. With us today to try and make sense of what's behind the numbers and what's in the hearts and minds of Chinese consumers is Matthew Crab. He was the co-founder of Access Asia, a research company. He's now the regional trends director of Mintel for Asia Pacific. He spent two decades and written two books and numerous reports on China's consumer markets, trying to get past the official stats. He joins us today in Alleycast. Matthew, welcome. Thank you very much, Adam. Matthew, let's start with a macro question: How healthy is China's consumer market? I think China's consumer market remains uh, very healthy.、Um, it's、uh, certainly still showing strong growth. I think one of the, the, the key things is that、uh, understanding the China market is no longer、uh, looking at China in isolation,、uh, but、uh, looking at its significance in the wider consumer world. Chinese consumers, obviously,、uh, consuming within China and buying Chinese products, but increasingly they're buying foreign products and they're traveling、uh, more and more overseas and to, to more different places. So their significance as consumers and the significance of the China consumer market is 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 wider than China's own political boundaries. I get what you're saying. So. It has influence in other parts of the world, probably partly due to sheer size. But if you're covering the what, you just talked about that briefly, and the where, you talked about that briefly. But what makes this market tick? And what I mean is, what causes or triggers consumption among consumers in China? Well, there's several key historical features that、uh, we see. First of all, growing. Uh, average incomes, thanks to, to economic development, that's pushed up the level of spending power. With more spending power, consumers become more choice-driven.、Uh, with choice, they become more discerning. They, with discernment, they become demanding of more quality, better quality. Therefore, they're willing to pay more for better quality products, and they're sourcing things. So they're looking for things more actively. They're not just passively buying products; they're actually going out and looking for things. So this is creating. More opportunities for niche products, new products, etc. Now, all of this, the,、uh, the economic growth has happened very rapidly. What that means is that you've got a generation of people in China, of consumers, who have grown up with very rapid, not only economic change but social change, changes in the way of consumption, the kind of products available to them. Not only does that mean that they're quick adopters. The moment and have been in the past, but they're also anticipators. They're anticipating the next things, which means again, you know, China's consumer market is very significant because it's a test bed for new ideas, such as online retail, new retail, and so on. And I think you know the combination of that, those factors with、uh, things like rapid urbanisation, which you know, concentrates、uh, 
spending power in, 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 in certain cities and so on, and the growth of those cities, and just the sheer scale of those cities also contributes to that, that strength in the market. I mean, if we look specifically at e-commerce, which right now does not comprise a gigantic amount of uh, overall retail spending, we have Alibaba, we have other platforms. What are they providing to consumers in that experience, and, and why are we seeing online market shares growing as quickly as they are. Coming back to the, the beginnings of growth in e-commerce in China, one of the things that made it very successful very quickly was it offered choice. It offered also price competitiveness. So people were able to find products at competitive prices that they weren't able to find in stores local to them. So this increased the depth and breadth of choice for, for consumers. It also allowed them to be more uh, discerning, both not only in terms of the price competitive, but also in searching out products with uh, better quality. So things moved along very rapidly. Online retail grew, and obviously its uh, emphasis is now shifting away just from selling lots of stuff really cheaply, but actually providing more of a consumer service. So the emphasis is shifting more towards providing better quality in terms of the products and services, faster delivery, things like that, and also with the development of new retailers, the integration of the, the benefits of online with the, the benefits of the in-store shopping experience. And it's very much this experience that uh, people still enjoy. They still enjoy going to shops. And this is reflected, of course, in Alibaba's 11.11 event this year, which is very much about the, the experience of shopping, the enjoyment of shopping, the entertainment of shopping. And this, of course, is reflective of how many aspects of lives have shifted online, particularly mobile online. Not just shopping per se, but also uh, things like hiring a car, ordering food for delivery, all sorts of uh, different consumer services. So really, retail is, is bundling together with other services in this overall online, offline experience. Hey, what you're describing to me sounds a lot like creating almost a micro economy. You have a platform or an app and you start bundling all the things in there as a Westerner or an American, which I am, it can be hard to understand why the Chinese shopping experience is so vastly different from the Western one. I mean, for me, I go into Amazon, I know what I want to buy, I want to get on and off there as quickly as possible. They set up a bunch of one click things for me. But that is not how Chinese shoppers think and shop, I gather. Can you talk about what's different between the, the two experiences? I think, I think um, history has a significant part to play here. Uh, one of the things you have to consider is that, again, coming back to my point about the speed of development in China's economy, is that people aren't in China haven't had a tradition, if you like, of going to the shopping mall or the supermarket or certain you know, uh, high street stores or whatever in the same way that we have in the West. So, for example, when I first went to China as a student in 1988, you could literally count the number of supermarkets on one hand in the whole country. Now, obviously, that has grown exponentially over the years. You're now talking about tens of thousands of supermarkets, and not just small supermarkets, but big ones, big standalone uh, shopping mall combined hypermarkets, etc. So one of the things that that rapid development has met is that, again, you know, shoppers are, are getting used to and, and being exposed to new concepts all the time in terms of retail. This means it's a very fluid market. So the idea that uh, of a, um, a hypermarket or, some, for example, a supermarket or a mini-mall, these are things that have been imported into China and have, in many ways, had to adapt to China's own circumstances and, and retail environment. 
So, for example, you know, you have convenience stores in Shanghai, which is a very sort of, you know, has generally narrower streets and it's more of an intimate kind of uh, topography, if you like. So convenience stores there tend to be more numerous and smaller, whereas in Beijing, where you've got grand boulevards, big shopping malls, etc., they tend to be uh, less numerous but bigger because they're suiting the, the local environment. And what these are indicative of in many ways is how, you know, the, the, the kind of, concepts of a certain type of store or a certain way of doing shopping or time of doing shopping, these kind of habits haven't really crystallized in China in the way that they have in Western markets where these concepts, these kind of retailing have been much more, have a much longer history. So what you're really looking at is not necessarily a comparison between apples and apples. It's very, they're very different circumstances. There's a, um, because of that constantly changing environment, you've got a very different consumer psychology in China than, than you do in, in developed countries in Europe and, and North America. I mean, that's interesting. I, 1988 was also the first year I set foot in China, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I lived on the west side of the city in Beijing. The nearest quote-unquote supermarket was in Ganjiakou, and what, what was marketing in that supermarket, everything was under glass except for some of the cheaper things. You had to ask for everything. And what, what was marketing at that time was, I think Kraft had uh, Cheese Whiz and Miracle Whip for sale. And you'd have these women standing there wearing crowns and beauty pageant banners and kind of slathering it onto crackers. And, you know, what I think now about the sophistication, there are even these convenience stores with no people in them. I mean, no staff in them. And you can do everything by yourself. It, that, that's in 30 years. That's pretty incredible. It is. And I, and I think this is part and parcel of the, of the whole thing, is that uh, we, what we've really seen in China is because of that uh, adaptability, that openness to new ideas, that constant expectation of what's coming next. In fact, what, in China, what we see is, is that both the technology and the, and the adaptation of retail is leapfrogging the ideas and the concepts that you see in North America and, and Europe. So really, what's most exciting about China as a consumer market is not only its size, its growth, its, its influence on other economies, but also how retail itself is developing in ways that isn't being seen anywhere else. And so China's becoming the test bed for, for new ideas in retail. And that, of course, is now beginning to be exported elsewhere. I mean, particularly where if you know I, I live in, in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. So I'm seeing how uh, the likes of JD.com and Alibaba as well as Amazon are now pouring resources and investment into Southeast Asia to begin to develop that market. And we can see that um, the, the model for development in Southeast Asia is no longer going to be the Western uh, European or North American model of, of retail or what retail should be. It's going to be very much the Chinese version. That makes sense to see the outsized influence that China's having regionally and perhaps globally at some point. What I do wonder, though, is when we talk about the e-commerce market in China and the shoppers in China, it's certainly not monolithic. It's certainly not homogeneous. Can you dig a little bit into the generational factors, break down the different types or groups of shoppers that we're seeing online. How are they different from each other? You know, what I'm wondering is millennials may shop a certain way, but people in their 40s shop differently, or are they the same in China? No, I think I think they are different. Now, <laughs> the problem is that uh, I, I, I really steer very clear away from making any sort of you know, sweeping stereotypes about China because I feel it's been my job over the last 20 plus years to, to 
you know, break down those stereotypes. I think, yes, you know, people talk about millennials and the middle class and 40s and the over 60s with sort of broad brush kind of statements. And I think that's very, that's, that's very disingenuous. Because, but what, what about uh, tendencies or, or trends? I, I, I certainly don't want you to, to characterize something with 100% certainty, but I, I just want to understand, you know, because at a different stage of your life in every country, you're worried about different things. You're worried about you, you, where do I invest my first bonus? Can I afford a mortgage? Yeah. You know, etc. Well, I think it's an interesting thing at the moment. I mean, you know, you've got people in their 60s setting up online stores to sell things, and, and that's been the case for a while. So it's not like it's necessarily a young thing. And, you know, every, everybody sort of very much focuses on, on urban China and, and the big cities. But, you know, these kind of developments are happening across the country, right down into, into rural China as well. So the, the outcomes, the development, the models used will, will vary greatly according to local, local needs. And I think, you know, generationally, we're seeing trends towards a greater diversity across the, the age groups. You know, people finding that because they've got more money, they can try many new things. So, for example, maybe older people are now going on cruises, but younger people are going off on adventure holidays where they go, you know, mountain bike, biking in the Himalayas or whatever. So, you know, I think what we're really seeing is that they've got this pl- proliferation of, of individuals you know, developing their own lifestyles, their own interests, and, and following their, 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 their interests in terms of the way they shop and the brands that they associate with. So this sort of diversity of lifestyles is, is really interesting because you know, it gets away from that idea of a monolithic kind of Chinese state. Um, one of the arguments I've often made about you know, the diversity in China is like, uh, you know, how can consumers in China be considered as all consuming in the same way when you've got people who live in, for example, Yunnan province, which is subtropical, up to you know, people in Heilongjiang province, which is subarctic. Of course, they can't be living the same lifestyles. But what online and the growth of organized retail has done is provide much more choice. So people with those different types of life, lifestyles, depending on their age group and their influences and perhaps their uh, exposure to, to things foreign or foreign tra- uh, travel, that's increasingly creating more diversity in, in taste and lifestyles and therefore more opportunities for things like niche products and for niche brands to come in and find the market. And even if you're only talking about a small percentage of consumers in China, because of the sheer size of the country, that can still be a significant market. If, if we could close out with one question, I'd like to ask you about the future of e-commerce in China. Right now, there are a lot of dancing bears and pageantry experimentation. We have galas. We have click here and get this offer. Catch the cat. We have these games that engage and that, that enchant the, the shopper. At some point, will consumers in, in China demand some other kind of experience or are they going to want to go in another direction? Will it always be important to engage them with content and other experiences like this? I think it will. I think what what we will see is just a pl- proliferation of more different forms of retail, forms of retailtainment, if you want to call it that, various forms of in-store experience as well. I mean, I've, I've several times in recent years, months rather, made the argument that one of the most interesting recent physical store developments in in China has been Disneyland because in a sense it's a theme park but I mean really you could also look at it as a shopping mall where the you know the the emphasis is more on the entertainment than the shopping and the the food service so 
shopping malls, department stores, online retail, it's all moving towards a combination of different factors, whether it's breadth of choice or focus of choice, you know, aiming at the mass market or the luxury market, whether it's aiming to be more product-driven or service-driven, where it's you know, greater emphasis on perhaps food service and entertainment and so on. I think what we're going to see is that as the, the market develops, retailers and, and retail property developers and online platforms are all going to have to try and work out which model suits them best for the consumers that they're trying to reach and therefore which techniques for marketing are they going to use? Are they going to make a game to, to appeal to sort of, for example, you know, if they're, they're particularly targeting uh, parents with kids or are they going to try and, you know, involve some sort of like, you know, virtual reality experience with that introduces people to sort of all sorts of surround game environments which might be aiming at the, the gaming community or is it something that's more driven towards you know the luxury consumer you know perhaps you're even talking about sort of like exclusive shopping places that are outside of main city centers and so on you know more sort of leafy suburbs and this kind of thing all of this is going to have to be you know developed and i think that the, the key really is understanding the consumer, who you are trying to sell to, who is your consumer, what is it that they want, how do they identify with your brand, and that really comes back to making you know good decisions about what kind of consumers you're trying to reach and who will suit the product or service you're trying to sell. Uh, and, it, and it comes really back down to sort of the, the basics of understanding you know, consumer, consumer spending patterns, consumer lifestyles, consumer aspirations, that sort of thing. So again, you know, okay, I'm calling from a research company, so I'm going to say this anyway, but it's about good research. Matthew, thank you for these valuable insights and for spending time on, on Alleycast. We'd love to have you back. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. You've been listening to AliCast, a regular podcast from the Alibaba Group. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Adam Najberg. Yeah.